book of Romans, the book of Romans, and we want to carry on tonight with our series. Thank you, folks. That was wonderful, wonderful. Did you enjoy that tonight? That was great, great. Oh, what a Savior. Man, what a Savior. Romans chapter 1 in your Bibles tonight. We're going to carry on with our series on understanding our statement of faith. And uh, we we started that, and then uh, we had some special meetings and uh, just all kinds of things happening, and so we got away just for a little bit, but we want to do our best to try to get, get back on it again. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know when I felt as passionate about what I'm going to teach on tonight as I do tonight. And uh, now I went back and looked, I looked at my records, and it looks like it was about a year ago that we, we taught, we taught along, this, uh, along this subject. But I think tonight's going to be, uh, it's going to seem brand new to you, and uh, and I'm going to be honest with you. I've got tons and tons of scripture. I, I would, you know, I guess I'm using an iPad tonight, but I would guess if I printed this outline off, I'd probably have somewhere around 10 pages of notes and, uh, don't get worried. All right. We're, we're still going to get you out of here about the same time we always do. So you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. Um, but I just said that to say this, most of that is scripture. And so I'm trying to figure out, where do I have you go? Because I've got so many, i got so many scriptures that I want you to go to. And I don't think we can, I, I don't think we can go there uh, in 30, 30 minutes or 35 minutes. You say, well, preacher, break it up. I've already broke it up. So we're not going to get all the way through it tonight. And I'm trying to figure out what, what do I do? Do I teach part of it tonight and bring the rest of it Sunday? And I'm not exactly sure what to do, but I know the Lord will show us. And, uh, and so, as you see on the screen that we're going to talk about understanding our statement of faith, and we're talking about the Godhead, the doctrine of the Godhead. Now, that may not seem very glamorous to you, but church, I'm going to tell you something. We got to know what we believe on this. And so, anyway, before I start preaching, let's go ahead and read our scripture tonight. Romans chapter 1, and I know, you're, I know you worked long, hard day today, but I want you to be, uh, be sure you stay attentive tonight. So let's all stand one last time. This will be the last time you'll stand before we leave tonight. Romans chapter one. Well, you need, oh, listen, if you've ever, if you've ever gotten anything, get this tonight. If you've ever taken a note, take a note tonight. And I'm going to give you plenty of scriptures. And, and, uh, so jot these down in the margin of your Bible and, because uh, I, I can pretty much guarantee this is one of those kind of subjects. It's probably going to come up, and um, somebody's going to bring this up. So Romans chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 16. We're going to read down through verse number 21. Romans 1, verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Now notice verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even even his eternal power And notice the word here, and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So we're interested in verse 20, especially. The Bible says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. And that's what we want to talk to you about a little bit tonight, his eternal power and Godhead. And we're going to focus in on that word Godhead. I'll tell you what that means here in just a moment. You may be seated tonight. And let's go to the Lord and ask the Lord to help us in this incredibly important subject that we're going to talk about tonight. 
And I, I really hope this will be a help to you. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. And so let's go to the Lord. Father, we love you. Thank you for a, a wonderful service. And thank you, Lord, for the privilege to meet together as a church family tonight. We've enjoyed it, Lord, really. We've enjoyed the mission's emphasis. Thank you for sending the Williams family our way. And Lord, what a blessing, uh, Lord, it's been to, to meet them and to hear from them and I, I pray, God, that you do miraculous things in their life and their ministry and use them, Lord, to, uh, again, to, to win many to Jesus, to point many to righteousness. And then, Lord, we're so thankful for every song that's been sung tonight. And then, Lord, for the special that the Gillies did for us tonight. Lord, thank you for reminding us that we serve a Savior, not just a Savior, but, oh, what a Savior and now, Lord, I pray that you'll bless our discussion tonight, and I pray that this will make sense. I pray it'll be a help. I pray it'll be um, an encouragement. And Father, I pray that all that's done throughout the course of the remainder of the service would please you and honor you tonight. We love you. We ask you for your power. We ask you for your help and your direction. Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, Amen. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. Godhead. So I want to talk about the doctrine of the Godhead tonight. What does that mean? And what is the Bible talking about when it, it mentions the Godhead? Well, the word Godhead there in Romans chapter 1, verse number 20 simply means divinity. Or uh, it means his divine nature is what that's talking about. So when you see that word Godhead or somebody brings that word up, Godhead, it just means his divinity, uh, his, his divine nature. So we're talking about understanding our statement of faith. So if you were to go to our website tonight, uh, calvarybcug.com, uh, you can find a little uh, drop-down box there that gives you our beliefs and it has our statement of faith uh, underneath our beliefs. And this is what you would read. If you would go, to, go there tonight, read our statement of faith, th these are the actual words that you would read on our statement of faith. It says this, we believe in one triune God eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, co-eternal in being, co-identical in nature, co-equal in power and glory and having the same attributes and perfections. And then it gives several references there. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, and verse number 14. So uh, again, we believe in a triune God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, church, listen to me tonight, and I, I wanna begin by saying this. There is no room for compromise there. Now, occasionally we may preach on something and occasionally we may, we may teach something and there may be a little wiggle room. Not tonight. Not tonight. No wiggle room. There's, there's, there's no room for any compromise. And we're gonna, we're gonna give you a lot of things tonight, a lot of thoughts tonight. And, and, and I'm gonna be quite honest with you. There, there are a lot of well-meaning people, even in the church, who would say, well, you know what? You really can't be dogmatic. Yeah, yeah we can. Yeah, yes, we can. And, and, and I know there are some who say, you, you can't be dogmatic. Listen to me. Where the Bible is silent, we have to be silent. But where the Bible speaks clearly, we must speak clearly. And the Bible speaks very clearly on this subject that we're gonna talk about tonight. So we believe at Calvary Baptist Church, we believe in one triune God. Now somebody says, preacher, is it really important though? You know, I mean, uh, the doctrine of the Godhead, wow, that sounds like a very boring subject we're gonna talk about tonight. And uh, I mean, you know, can we talk about like, you know, being a better you and I mean, let's, you know, and, and, and all these kind of things. And, and, and we may, you know, we may from time to time, we may talk about those things, but I'm going to be honest with you, the, the, the doctrine that we're going to give you tonight is something that we absolutely, it, it is a must needs 
uh, if you're going to be the kind of Christian that you ought to be. We read there tonight, we started in verse number 16, and, and you notice that Paul says in verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, Paul did not bow his head when it came to the gospel. And one of the reasons that Paul did not bow his head is because Paul knew what he believed. And so if we're going to be assured of the gospel and we're going to be soul winners and we're going to, we're going to be uh, passionate about sharing our faith, how many believe this? We're going to have to know what we believe. And so there's some say, well, you know, preacher, this doctrine of, uh, of the Godhead and, and the uh, Trinity and uh, uh, a triune God, uh, it's, you know, a pastor, it, it, it's difficult to comprehend. You're right about that. You, you are right about that. Um, by the way, if you're here tonight and it's not difficult for you to understand, I want you to sign my Bible after the service tonight. Uh, I, I really do. But, uh, but, but here's the thing. We have, to, we have to teach what the Bible cl clearly talks about. So you say, preacher, how important is it? How important is the doctrine of the Godhead? So let me ask you a question tonight, and this is not a trick question. Let me ask you a question. How many believe that salvation comes through believing in Christ. That's not a trick question. No, so don't, you're like, you know, it's gonna trick us up. No, that's not a trick question, all right? But I wanna ask you a second question. Does it matter, okay? So if, it, if, if salvation is dependent upon you and I believing in Christ, and it is, here's the secondary question. Does it matter which Christ? And the answer to that is absolutely. So, so if salvation is by, is by faith in, in Christ, and it is, does it matter which Christ you and I believe in? And the answer to that is absolutely. Without a, without a shadow of a doubt, it does. So here's the big problem. Not everybody's preaching the same Christ. Now they, now they may sound like it. And I, I'm gonna, by the way, you, you're not gonna have to take my word for this because trust me, I'm gonna show it to you. I'm gonna show it to you in black and white tonight. There are many religions who profess Christ, but it's not the Christ we preach. So let's look at our Bibles tonight. Turn, turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24 and look at verse number 22. Matthew 24, verse 22. And the Bible tells us that these, that, that these days would come when people would, begin to, when people would begin to preach Christ, but not the Christ that we're preaching tonight. Uh, Matthew 24 and look at verse number 22 tonight. And I'm gonna go ahead and start reading while you find your place. Matthew 24, verse 22. The Bible says, and except, the, except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, look what he says. Believe it, what? No. Believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now somebody says, okay, pastor, true, that's, that's true. That is in the Bible. But don't you think that is, uh, don't you think that is prophetic of, of tribulation times? And you're right about that. So I'll tell you what let's do. Let's go to some other places tonight. Take your Bibles and turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11, and look at verse number three. And notice what the apostle Paul says here. Paul, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul never lost his burden for the church of Corinth. Now, the church of Corinth had a lot of problems, but Paul had a burden for the church of Corinth, and he never lost his, just, he, he loved this church, he loved these people, but Paul had a, Paul had a, a fear for the church of Corinth. And we find it in 2 Corinthians 11, look at verse number three. And Paul says there, but I fear. In other words, he said, I'm, I'm concerned. Church, I'm really concerned about some things. He said, but I fear, verse three, but I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Look at verse four. Paul says, for if he that cometh preacheth, look at the next two words, 
What is it? Wow. For if he for he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. In other words, Paul says, I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned that you're gonna allow these false teachers to come in, these that are not preaching the same Christ that I've been preaching, and he said, you're gonna start bearing with them. You're gonna start letting them come in. You're gonna let them start teaching your Sunday school classes, and you're gonna start let them preaching in your pulpits, and, and you're gonna start let them influencing the church. Now, what's the problem? The problem is this. They're not preaching the same Jesus that I've been preaching. That's what Paul is saying. So it is, it is vital, it is absolutely vital that we place our faith in the right Jesus. You say, okay. All right, pastor, I get it. Well, that's why it's so important you understand this doctrine. Because the doctrine of the Godhead tells us who the right Jesus is. We're going to look at that tonight. So let me just, I'll, I'll put a few little few things on the screen, not a whole lot tonight. How about this? Number one, we find here the Bible teaches of a triune God. Now, you're not, you're, you're not going to find, if you go to your, if you go to your, your glossary tonight or, or get your Strong's Concordance out or something like that, or you type it in your phone and you type the word Trinity in your phone or you look it up in the glossary, you're not going to find that word. You'll not find the word Trinity. But if you start in Genesis, literally, if you start in Genesis and go all the way through to the book of Revelation, you know what you'll find? You'll find the teaching of a triune God all throughout the pages of the Word of God. And we're going to do that a little bit tonight. So, uh, so let's look, first of all, in John chapter 14. John 14, and look at verse number 26. And we're just going to look at several places. And, and, and I, I, I watch the clock, and I know we probably won't get through all of these tonight, but... Uh, but we find the, the teaching of a triune God. In other words, God is uh, three persons, and yet he is one. And so, uh, John 14 and verse number 26. And I'll tell you in just a little bit why this is so important that you understand all of this. John 14, verse 26, the Bible says, and here we see the Trinity right here in John 14, 26. The Bible says, but the Comforter, now, somebody says, preacher, okay, but yeah, who is that? Well, aren't you glad Jesus tells us? Aren't you glad the Bible's simple? People say, well, I just can't understand it. What? Keep reading. Keep reading. Jesus makes it real simple for us. Verse 26, but the comforter, just in case you don't know who that is, which is the Holy Ghost, all right? So there's one person on the Godhead. Whom the what? There's the second person, or there's another person that God had, whom the Father will send. Look at the next two words in what? Who is that? Jesus. That's Jesus. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. All right? Turn over one page to John chapter 15 and look at verse number 26. John 15 and verse 26. Uh, the Bible says, but when the comforter, and he told us in John 14 who the comforter is, that's the Holy Spirit, but when the comforters come, whom I, Jesus, whom I will send unto you, where's he gonna come from? From the Father. And then he goes on, you know, it's, it's almost like the Lord says, now I wanna make sure you got this straight. So he says, but when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth, from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now, again, what we see there over and over again is the triune God. We see the, the doctrine of the triune God, that God is three, and yet he is one. All right? Turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians 13, and look at verse number 14 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and look at verse number 14. Notice what our Bible says. Again, that we find the teaching of a triune God all throughout Scripture. And I'll show you some more here in just a little while, uh, maybe not even in the, in the uh, New Testament. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, the Bible says there, the grace of the, of who? Of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of who? 
the love of God and the communion of who? The Holy Ghost be with you all, amen, Paul says there. And so here again, we see that triune God. We, we see that over and over again. Let me show you at least one other place. Turn over to the book of 1 Peter in your Bibles tonight. And this is Wednesday, so we're doing some Bible study tonight. We're really turning a lot of places on our Bible, and that's okay. And uh, you mark these and, or, or jot them down, and you can go back and look at these in your devotions. 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, and look at verse number 2. 1 Peter 1 and verse 2. And Peter says here, elect according to the foreknowledge of who? God the Father through sanctification of who? Of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of who? The blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So again, we see that triune God, the doctrine of the triune God. And uh, so important. You say, okay, uh, oh, all right, pastor. And sometimes people will, they'll argue and they'll say, all right, okay, I'll admit, I'll admit that we see, uh, we seem to see uh, three personalities uh, throughout scripture, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all three personalities are God. So, okay, pastor, uh, I, I, I give in, and okay, we see, we see a triune God, you know, we, we see all three persons of the Godhead, we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all three are God. All right. Well, let's look and see if it does. How about that? All right. First of all, I want you to look at, look at the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. And, uh, and this is what we see in Scripture. Number one, we see that our Heavenly Father is referred to as God. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 2. Philippians 1, verse 2. The Bible says, Grace be unto you and peace from who? And who is he? Our Father. That's pretty simple, isn't it, church? You know what? You don't have to be a college graduate to understand that. You don't have to be graduated from high school to understand that. Grace be you do, and peace from God, from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so far, with most religions and churches, we're still sort of okay. But this next one's gonna divide the men from the boys. All right, pastor, okay. I'll admit that there seems to be three personalities in Scripture, but uh, and I admit that yes, that that our Heavenly Father is God, but not Jesus. And you can't find anything in Scripture that tells us that Jesus is God. <laughs> Famous lads works, my friends. Amen. And uh, hey, let's look at it tonight. So hey, number next is this: we we see here that Jesus Christ most certainly is God. All right, let's look. We're going to look at several. How about Titus chapter 2, first of all? Titus chapter 2. By the way, what neat names, man, the Williams family. Didn't you like that? What neat names for these kids. And the Titus chapter 2 and verse number 13. Look what Titus said, or look what Paul says here to Titus. Titus 2 chapter, uh, Titus chapter 2 verse 13. He says here, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the, of the who? Of the Great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, you say, Pastor, that's, you know, but that divided it up. You see, it's talking about a great God, and then it's talking about uh, Jesus Christ. And they're not, they're not the same, that, that uh, you know, uh, that God is God, but Jesus is not God. Well, okay, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's rightly divide Scripture with Scripture. How about it? Why don't we go over to, uh, and so far you say, well, preacher, you know, you're hanging out in the, in, in the New Testament. Okay, well, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's go to the Old Testament a little bit. Let's turn over to Isaiah chapter nine. Isaiah chapter nine, and look at verse number six with me, if you will. And here the prophet Isaiah is looking, what is it, 600 years down the quarter, the quarter of time and prophesying about, uh, about a virgin that's gonna bring forth a child and, and where that child's gonna be born and, and how he's gonna go to the cross. And, and, uh, and look what Isaiah the prophet says about the Lord Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter nine and verse number six, he says, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the 
government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called, oh yes, good neighbor, his name shall be called Wonderful and Counselor. And look at the next phrase. Come on now. What's it saying? The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Boy, I'll tell you what. I believe he's telling it pretty straight, isn't he? All right. Hey, this is so important, and, and we're going to a lot of places, but uh, it's just so important you see some of these places. Turn over the, the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, and look at verse number 1. John chapter 1. And verse number one. Our heavenly Father is referred to as God, but Jesus is God. John 1, verse 1. John says, In the beginning was the Word. By the way, capitalized. This is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word. Come on now. And the word was God. Dr. Tom Malone used to say, it's in the book. What are you going to do about it? And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness. Look at this. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Now somebody says, okay, pastor, but the Bible uh, says it's the word. It doesn't tell us, it doesn't tell us who it's talking about. <laughs> Keep on reading. Look at verse 16. And of his fullness, man, I feel like doing some shouting right now. And of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace for the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so John chapter one refers to the Lord as God. The word was God. Let me show you one other place real quickly tonight. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter eight. Look at verse number four. 1 Corinthians chapter eight. You know, church, really, the Bible preaches itself. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4. Again, Paul is writing to this church that he's very concerned about. There's some error. There's some false teachers. And, and, and Paul comes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4, and he says, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. Now, look at the next line. Paul says to this church, And that there is None other God but what? One. But one. For though there be, for though there be that are called gods, lowercase by the way, whether in heaven or in earth, and there be gods many, and lords many. So Paul's not denying that there are many false gods, but verse 6 he says, But to us there is but one God. The Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Amen. Hey, church, you know what our Bible's teaching us there? That there is a triune God. God is three persons, but one God. And we learn here that our Heavenly Father is God. We learn that Jesus Christ is God. We'll look at this next one here. Number next is this, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And now again, I'm going to tell you why this is so important here in just a moment. But uh, take your Bibles, turn over to Acts chapter 5, and look at verse number, uh, verse number 3. Acts 5 and verse number 3. And so our Heavenly Father is God. Jesus is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. Acts 5 verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? All right, so let me ask you a question. Who did Ananias lie to? He lied to the Holy Ghost. Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? 
And to keep back part of the price of the land, while it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto who? But unto God. And so you know what the Bible's telling us there? The Holy Spirit and God are the same. Now, they're, they're different. And there are three persons of the Godhead, but one God. You say, preacher, I don't understand that. I get it, I get it. But just hang in there with us just for a little while longer. We got 10 more minutes, all right? So hang in there with us. Now, why, why, is, this, why, why is this so vital? Preacher, you know, why are you so passionate about <laughs> the doctrine of the Godhead. I mean, is, there, is, is it really that big a deal, church? I really don't think we know how big a deal it is. And I'll tell you why. Because there are many religions out there today that sound, and I want to make sure I insert that word. Originally, I didn't have that in my outline, and I went back and I changed my outline. There are many religions that sound close when it comes to the doctrine of a triune God. Wait a minute now. We can't be close. Now, if you're playing horseshoes, if you go down here and you play horseshoes and you say, Pastor, I didn't get a ringer, but I got, I got it close. That's all right. Close on horseshoes is okay. If you like to play cornhole and you throw that bean back and it doesn't go in the hole, but you get it close, that's all right. You can be close when it comes to horseshoes and you can be close when it comes to cornhole, but you can't be close. You can't be close when it comes to the triune God or you'll die and go to hell. Right. Yes, sir. Are you listening to me? Now you say, preacher, what are you talking about, all right? And I, I, don't, I don't mean any, uh, well, I'm, I, listen, I'm not a critical preacher, you know that. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you the truth tonight. And I would just encourage you to do this, don't take my word for it. Amen. Go fact check it yourself. Yeah. And by the way, you know what? I've taught on this before, but just for your benefit and for mine, I went back and I fact checked some of these things again today. So I want you to hear what Mormonism teaches concerning the Trinity. So, boy, I mean, I'm not saying they're not, I'm not saying that, that some of them aren't good people. I'm not saying they're not moral. I'm not saying they don't put out some of the best TV commercials. Man, when you, you, you watch some of those commercials, you think, wow, what is this? This is a great commercial. And then all of a sudden, it seems very family-oriented and, and it's very you know, professionally done. And then it'll say, this is brought to you by the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. You say, preacher, don't you believe a lot of them are saved? Not if they believe what they teach. He said, preacher, I don't say you can say that. Listen to this now. This is what Mormons believe. They believe that the Trinity consists not of three persons in one God, but rather of three distinct gods. Not only do they believe that, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are three different gods, but they don't believe they're the only gods. By the way, fact check this yourself. Go check this out and see if I'm not telling you the truth tonight. According to Mormonism, there are potentially many thousands of gods besides the Heavenly Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Mormons believe that Jesus Christ was the firstborn spirit child of the Heavenly Father and a Heavenly Mother. And so, again, I'm not making this up. Check it out for yourself. So they believe our Heavenly Father. That, you know, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. This is like borderline blasphemy right. yes, is what this is. Amen. And so they believe that Jesus was the firstborn spirit child of the Heavenly Father and a Heavenly Mother. Jesus then progressed to deity in the spirit world. He was later physically conceived in Mary's womb as the literal only begotten boy. See how, see how crafty? See how subtle? You know, it sort of, sort of, sort of sounds like what we're teaching, but, but the difference is night and day. He 
was later physically conceived in Mary's womb as the literal only begotten Son of God, the Father in the flesh, they also believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers, are brothers, and that both were created, that both Jesus and Satan were created, and that's why they're brothers, because they're both created beings, well, let me tell you what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go back to the Gospel of John chapter 1. You've got to cut that one out. Because the Bible says there was nothing created outside of Jesus. Nothing. That he created all things. And so, that's what the, that, that, that's, again, that's what the Mormons, now here's, here, here's what I'm saying. They may look, and they do, they may look the part, and they, they really do. And this is not a slam on anybody tonight. My wife and I, several years ago, we had a, a, a connecting flight in Salt Lake City. We flew into the Salt Lake City airport and had to stay there for a little while. And, and there were Mormons everywhere. I mean, they were everywhere in the airport. And it looks like they were maybe having some kind of a convention, and they were meeting some folks off the planes. And honestly, they dressed better than our people. Their women were more modest. Their guys looked like they stepped out of Bible college. We, we were watching. Just, I mean, cordial, sharp, very sharp. Guys had their hair calming, just very sharp people. But this is what I'm saying. If they truly believe what they say about Jesus, that's not the Jesus that saves a soul. That's another Jesus. It's another Jesus. It's another Christ. All right? How about the Jehovah's Witnesses? What do the Jehovah's Witnesses teach concerning the Trinity? Jehovah's Witnesses claim, again, check this out for yourself. Jehovah's Witnesses claim that Jesus was not divine and that the Holy Spirit is an active force, but he is not a person. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is God's only direct creation, the firstborn of all creation, and therefore rightly entitled to be called the Son of God. Church, are y'all following me tonight? You see how damning this is? You see, some of, the, some of the terms are the same, but the doctrine is far different. And so they use words like firstborn, son of God. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, yes, we believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the same Jesus that you believe in. Was the Jesus, is the Jesus you believe in, is he God? Well, well we've, no, 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 I have a question. Is the Jesus you believe in, is he God? Well, you see, no, no, no. There's no wiggle room. He either is God or he's not God. But let's, uh, let, let's go a little further because this is creeping into Baptist churches. And it's a new teaching called modelism. And modelism says this. Modelism says that God is, God is one person so that sounds right. God is one person who took three consecutive roles. Modelism says there is a God, there is a God who at times became the Son and at other times became the Holy Spirit. But that's also false. Now, we're, we're gonna bring this thing to a close, but listen to this. The accurate doctrine of the Trinity is this. The Godhead consists of three persons, but one God. Those three persons of the Godhead, listen to this now. Those three persons of the Godhead, Godhead have always existed. Always. You say, no, 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 preacher, Jesus came in Bethlehem. Friend, let me tell you something. Jesus was here before there was a Bethlehem. Did you know there's never been a time when the Heavenly Father has not been present? There's also never been a time when the Son of God was not present, nor the Holy Spirit. Now, real quickly, it's, it's 829. Will you give me five minutes, Grace? Amen, all right. Hey, turn over to Genesis chapter one in your Bibles. Genesis chapter one, and look at verse number one. 
So for those who say, well, the Holy Spirit did not come along until the birth of the church. Well, Genesis chapter one, verse number one, we'll write smack dab from the beginning. Genesis one, verse one, the Bible says, in the beginning, who? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was, was upon the face of the deep, and the what? And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Wow! I mean, we haven't even got two verses in. And we're already seeing the triune God. Hey, skip down to verse number 26. Same chapter, Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, let who? Let us. Make man in our, in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Oh, don't you love the Bible? <laughs> Mistakes? Oh, I don't think so. Perfect. Perfect. Thank God for a perfect Bible. And I mean, listen, right off the bat, I mean, just right off the bat, God says, I want to make, make this clear. I am a triune God. Triune God. Well, where do we go, Lord, from here? Amen. Let's turn over to, uh, turn over to John 17, the Gospel of John, John 17, and, and verse number five. There's never been a time when God hasn't been. There's never been a time when Jesus hasn't been. There's never been a time when the Holy Spirit hasn't been. They are ever present. John 17, verse five. Jesus is speaking here, and this is, this is what he says. John 17, verse five. And now, O Father, glorify thou me, Jesus. Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the look at this, which the glory which I had with thee. Finish it for me. Man, church, is this not like shouting ground? You know, here's the thing. You don't have to bow your heads around Mormons and around false teachers. You know why? You've got God's book right here. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to be ashamed about what we believe. You know why? Because we have God's word on it. And we just need to study the word of God. And if we study the word of God and rightly divide the word of truth, uh, we, we learn, we learn these truths uh, let me, let me take you one, one more place and we're done. Turn over to John chapter eight, John chapter eight, and look at verse number 23. John eight, verse 23. It's 833, we're doing great on time. John eight, 23. And he, Jesus, and he said unto them, ye are from beneath. I am what? I'm from above. Ye are of this world. And Jesus said, I, I'm not of this world. Same chapter. Same chapter, and you're getting ready to read some of the greatest scripture you have ever read in your entire life. John 8, 56. Jesus is talking to the religious, the religious crowd, and they are very perturbed at him. In fact, they want to kill him. In John 8, and verse number 56 he says to them, he says to these religious leaders, your father, because they were talking about Abraham, our father Abraham, our father Abraham. And he says in verse 50, 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, Jesus said. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. There's never been a time when he wasn't. He's always been. You know why that's the case? Because he is the triune God. He's the triune God. Now you say, Pastor, I'm trying to get my mind wrapped around this. You're telling me he is one God. That's exactly right but three persons. That's exactly right. You say, preacher, I don't understand that. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Amen. Now, 
there's a reason I put this screen up there. And some of you have been wondering, what in the world's that apple got to do with the triune God? And this is not a good illustration. I'm telling you, this is not a good illustration and it's not even all the way accurate, but I, I'm trying to at least get in your mind, how can God be one God and yet three persons? So think about it like this. At least this will help you sleep better tonight, okay, all right? Because some of you are gonna go home and you're gonna be thinking, man, I just, I cannot figure this out. Think about it like this. In this apple, you have the skin, you have the flesh, and you have the seeds. And that makes not three apples, it makes an apple. And yet that apple is three parts. And yet it's one. Now that's a, not a good illustration, but at least for our little, my, for my little tiny brain, it at least gives me an idea of what the Bible's talking about when it talks about a triune God. He is one God, not many, one God. And yet in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If the Jesus you believe in is not God, you're not saved. Right. We're done. You can close your Bibles. If the Jesus you believe in is not God, you might as well. I'm seriously, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. You might as well trust in Brother Mike. What's the difference? And so, does this doctrine, does it, you know, is it, is it really important? Oh, man. It is a cardinal doctrine of the faith. Jesus is God. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's, that, that is a, that's a, a dividing factor with most, with most of the world religions today. And so, can we just do this tonight as we get ready to to go home, can we just take a moment as we pray and can we just say something like this, Lord, thank you for exposing me to truth. Thank you for exposing me to truth. You know, this last uh, week, this last week, I was just, you know, spending a little time with the Lord and I was just thanking the Lord for some things and I said, Lord, thank you for those who exposed me to the gospel. Thank you for my parents I have them to thank probably mo most of all. I'm so thankful for godly parents who raised me in the nurture and admon admonition of the Lord and they exposed me to truth. And then I had a pastor who pastored the same church for over 40 years. He's in heaven now. And every Sunday, and there were a lot of times when I went to church as a kid and I didn't think he was very bombastic and I didn't think he was very dynamic. But every Sunday, that man of God stood behind that pulpit and faithfully proclaimed truth. Every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and he exposed me to truth. And I said, Lord, thank you. Wow, where, where would we be? How many are glad? Aren't you glad you grew up in America? Aren't you glad somebody invited you to a church? Aren't you glad somebody pointed you in the right direction? Aren't you glad somebody gave you a Bible and exposed you to the truth? of the word of God. Let's, let's pray. Let's all stand tonight. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together tonight. And Lord, thank you that the Bible's very clear about this doctrine of the Godhead. Lord, we know, we understand that there are not many gods. There is one. And that God is in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We also acknowledge tonight that Jesus is God. He is a part of the Godhead. He is divine. He is the Son of God. He's always been. There's never been a time when he hasn't been. That is the Jesus Christ that came and died on an old rugged cross and bore our sins in his body. Lord, they put him in a grave and thank God three days later he came out of that grave Lord, we're so thankful that that's the Jesus that we have trusted and believed in. Lord, maybe somebody here tonight, that's not the same Jesus they believe in. 
It could be there's somebody watching by way of the live stream tonight, maybe from a faraway place. That's not the Jesus that they believe in, but they want to believe in the right one. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that you'll work in their heart, and I pray that you'll help them to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Father, bless this time of invitation, and, uh, and we thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You're here tonight. If you've not believed in that Jesus, I'm talking about the Son of God. Why don't you do this tonight? Why don't you come and let us take our Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. If you're watching our live stream right now, there's a number on the bottom of your screen, 704-327-5662. And we have some people that are waiting right by the phone. And they would love to, to, to receive your call right now and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. And so would you call? Would you reach for your phone and call right now? And we would love to, we would love to pray with you. Can I ask a couple of our personal workers if they tiptoe out tonight? And uh, maybe some folks here tonight need, need somebody to pray with them. Amen. Let's keep our heads bowed just for a moment tonight. If we can pray with you down here at the altar or pray with you over the phone, we sure would like to do that tonight. If you're here this evening, preacher, I need to be saved. I want you to come right now. I want you to come. Oh, listen to me. We want you in heaven with us. We do. We do. We want you to trust Jesus as Savior. If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you come? We have some folks with the Bible that would love to, to share the gospel of Jesus with you. We're not going to make you give a speech or anything like that, nothing like that. We just want to we just want to talk to you about the gospel. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? If you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I am saved. I just need prayer. Would you come? We'll, we'll pray with you tonight. If you're here tonight, you say, Preacher, I am saved, but I need to be baptized. I've, I've, I've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Hey, if you'll come tonight and make yourself a candidate for baptism, that'd be great. Or if you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I need to... I feel it in the will of God that God would have us join with this local body. Then if, that's, if this is your night, then you come. While we wait, we'll pause just for a moment and you come tonight.